Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Holo Podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional, unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. On today's podcast, we survey the Philippinex movies available on Netflix. But before Siggy and I catch up, we have a guest on today's episode. Take it away, Sigs. Welcome, Mabuhai. We have Joanna from Tagalog with Kirby joining us today. Welcome, Mabuhai, Joanna. Yay, welcome. (laughs) Kamusta? Kamusta? Mabuti maman. Just like we had many guests come in, we would love for you to share your immigration story and a little bit of background. So as we said, I was born and raised in St. Catharines, living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And Jez said, born in Manila, raised in Toronto. Tell us a little bit about your immigration story. I was born in Angeles, Pampanga, Angeles City in English. Okay. And then I grew up in San Fernando, La Union. And then I moved to the U.S. in middle school, like eighth grade. Uh-huh. And then I lived everywhere in the U.S. And now I'm oh, in New wow. Orleans. And now you're yeah. in New Orleans. Oh, Orleans. Yep. So you were in Pampanga and then La Union, right? La Union. La mm-hmm. Union. So do you speak Ilocano then? I did, but I forgot that. Oh, that. Oh. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up speaking some, right? Um, just because of friends and stuff. But in, at home, we spoke Kapampangan, so that stuck. Right. And I still speak that. Oh, amazing! Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh! What prompted the move to the states then? They closed the bases down. So we're a military family, and I don't ah. know if you remember Mount Pinatubo erupted yes, yes, in yes. the early yes. 90s. Right. The American government didn't renew the lease for the base, and so there were like free rides for everybody to the U.S., and it was like a mass exodus. It was actually pretty sad, and then that's when I left. How My old were left. you when you left? I must have been, what, like 11 Maybe 11. Wow. wow. 11 or 12. So I was really young when I left and I had left during the Marcos regime. And, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so my parents were fleeing. They took me along and then, you know, yeah. <laughs> on to Canada. That was like 86. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or in the earlier. 70s, actually. Right. And so oh, okay. we were there during the snap election. That was quite amazing. At the time, I didn't really fully understand what was going on, however old I was at the time. I'm just thinking like at 11, like that's quite mm-hmm. a shift. That's mm-hmm. not a, and that's something that you can kind of remember. Oh, yeah. Was it shocking? Is that yeah, it was a, it was a complete culture shock. It was, I came here and I literally was looking on the street. And looking for the gold because they kept saying that the streets were paved with gold, right? America. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so when I first got here, like we were in the car and I'm just like looking, like, where's the gold? Like, where's the gold? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's how much of a, a culture shock, or I just a, a child, yes, but still kind of understanding opportunity, looking for opportunity, that kind of thing. So right, right. 
Yeah. And so, Joanna, it sounds like you come from an army family then. Is that right? Air Force. Air Force family, Air Force. right? Okay. And so It matters. It okay. do- I, <laughs> yes, I've it learned that. Respect. I've learned that the hard way. And I don't want to tell you that story. Okay. But yes. But you, you, so you've moved around from base to base and then came back to the States at this point. Where in the States did you first start come back to? I came to Texas. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. I flew into Dallas and we stayed in... Wichita Falls, Texas, mm. and then from there to Mississippi, I believe, and then California, and yeah. then Mississippi, and then California, no, New Orleans, California, New York. So I've been all over. Right, 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 wow. right. Yeah, I even moved to Tokyo for a little bit and then came back. Wow. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. What was it like <laughs> to live in Texas? It was cold, but, I mean, that was my first year here, so... I wasn't used to AC in the house, so that was cold. I don't know. You're talking about the weather? Because, I mean, there's so many things going on at the time, right? Like, I was going oh, yeah. through shock. I was going through, like, climate shock. I was going through all kinds of shocks. Right. So, mm-hmm. how was Texas? It was cold. The weather was cold. There was snow. That was my first time ever seeing snow in my whole life. Yeah. And oh, it was my first time being in an air-conditioned room or house right. in my life. Right. So, yeah, so there was a lot going on, but Texas was cool. Like, but I, at the time I wasn't looking for culture yet. Like I wasn't like eager to, to see Filipinos, you know, at the time, cause I just uh-huh. left them. Right. So, but I hated the U S <laughs> <laughs> I actually went back home yes. after my first year here. I can imagine yeah. just like that sense of wanting to kind of come back to something more mm-hmm. familiar mm-hmm. and then growing up in Wichita, I would think to myself that there aren't, there isn't that much diversity. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah. But then I think when you have a military base, you're bound to have Filipinos, Filipino wives there, you know? So we had a community and then that was what I was around all the time. So to Mm -hmm. me, it was, I I didn't miss Filipinos because they were, were even if it was just like four (laughs) or five women, they were always there. So yeah. So how do you identify? Like, I know Siggy and I both identify as Filipino Canadians, despite our families coming into Canada at a different time. How do you, do you identify as Filipino American? Do you have a different sense of that identification? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody asked me that before, because I'm, I'm half black, I'm half Filipino, right? right. Mm-hmm. But then I grew up in the Philippines. So somebody asked me that recently, and I, my answer was, I'm culturally Filipino and I'm politically black. Right. And that's because culturally I, it's been instilled in me because I grew up there. So I, I mm-hmm. feel Filipino. I love Filipino. I love everything Filipino. Take your shoes off when you come to my house. Like all kinds of like yes. very, very Filipino. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But since I came here a little older, I've had to learn kind of like what it means to be black. That was a big thing to me because I, I didn't grow up around it. So right. when I came here, yeah. like as a teenager... Mm-hmm. I really wanted to know what that meant. Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be Black in, in America? And so that made me understand Blackness in a very political way versus culturally. Because at home, it was still my mom, you know. Right. It was still culturally, right. you know. Right. In learning my other side, it was more on a political basis. So so I'm politically Black. Right. That's what I came up with. Right, right, right. Wow. Second wave feminists would tell us, like, the personal is political. Your life is political. Your identity is political. And mm-hmm. then, and then mm-hmm. even having to kind of, as you say, kind of reconnect in some ways. Mm-hmm. And like, what does it mean to be black in America? And especially these days, right? That is the zeitgeist. Right. That is that is the conversation that people are having. Yeah. 
Have you found that? Can I ask if, if people have like questioned you about that in terms of identifying as black? Is that something that yeah. people do you celebrate with you or do they skewer you? I mean, like I'm, I know I'm being unfair in terms of kind of, kind of like looking at the dichotomy here. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. I'm curious about what your experience has been like. It's been a long journey, I think. I ended up going to an HBCU for that reason. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so while you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, I do identify as a Filipino because I... I came here as a Filipino, not mm-hmm. as a black person. Right, right. Right. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, right? I know I'm, I know, putting, you, I'm putting you on the spot. These days, and I don't know, I've said this to you, Sigi, I've been really yeah. meditating on this idea of displacement and dispossession. And when mm-hmm. we are displaced because of work, in this case, the military, because of opportunities and stuff like that, not only are, is the person displaced, but our sense of idea of who we are displaced. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, who do you base your identity on? How do you come to learn it if you're not going to be learning it from the people around you? Oh my gosh, like, I wish we had more time because I would want to ask you more about like, what was it like being yeah. at a historical black college in terms mm-hmm. of people found yeah. out you were part Filipino and started to learn about your immigration story. They'd be like, girl, maybe cock the head and then wonder, are you really black? I don't know if you yeah. ever got, did people yeah. question you that way and stuff like that? Sure. I think that was one of the main questions I was asked when I first came here, whether directly or indirectly. It's like you have to choose a side. Hmm. Are you black or are you not black? Are you white? Are you Filipino? Like, what are you? Right. And that's all. Yeah. That's the main question. Like, what are you? Right. And it's like, uh, and so for a while, because people, I was in places that didn't really have a big Filipino community or they didn't know what it was. I just chose black. I'm black. Right, right. Right. Mm-hmm. So to set aside being Filipino because it doesn't matter right now. Right. And so I was black. I was so black. And then came my identity crisis. Yes. was another story. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, like, it's interesting when you, I wish our listeners could see this because when you were saying I had to put aside my Filipino-ness, you kind of had this motion of displacement of of Mm sorts. This part of you was literally displaced for just a Mm -hmm. second, even though it's all you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think you probably know about our podcast and our listeners know about the podcast is that we're constantly asking the question or getting around this idea of who are you? What are you? What are you all about? When really what it is, is is that I think we're just really curious about people's immigration story. And can't we just say that? Like you have, Mm -hmm. to me, you have an amazing immigration story. Again, I wish we had more time and we will probably bring you back on and have you Mm -hmm. tell us more about all these different experiences and stuff like that. So I hogged interviewing you, Sigs. I'm sure you have like tons of things you (laughs) want to ask. It's just a natural flow or whatever. Those are great questions. And Joanna, I, I'm just excited for you to be on and for you to be able to share your story. I, I think this is. I just want to share and... something. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, was it today? I think it was today at work. Where was I? It was today or yesterday? Very, very recently, mm-hmm. we were talking about middle names and names. Mm. Yeah. And I said, "Well, when I was in the Philippines, I had my first name." And then I had my Filipino last name. Who was it I was talking to? Because I said, oh, one of my students yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I said, is that your mom's, when you say middle name, is that your mom's last name or is that your middle name, middle name? And she was like, oh, it's my mom's last name. I said, okay, I have to ask because I, growing up in the Philippines, had one middle name, which was my mom's last name. Right. But there was right. always this other English name that didn't matter there that never it was like oh by the way I have this other middle name you know but it never mattered it never ever mattered I never used it right and then when I moved here my mom's last name 
became irrelevant. Like, oh, I'm excited. I get to use my other name now. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like in the Philippines, I was used to seeing JTK and I moved here and I'm used to seeing JJK. Right. At some point in my life as an adult, I said, you know what? They're both my names. Right. So, Nice. I am JTK. Like, I have Good four for names. You. Take that. <laughs> amazing, amazing. No, the more Siggy and I talk about this topic and talk to other Filipinos around the diaspora, it is about just kind of reclaiming. And it's interesting how we bifurcate, separate, hive off different parts, even mm-hmm. our names and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. To make other people comfortable. Yes, to make other people comfortable. And at the end of the day, it's like people at my workplace, at least, they know to pronounce my name properly. You yes, know? And so, I love that. And I just remember one white colleague telling another white colleague saying, you have to get his name correct, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is not that hard to actually get it correct. And then she repeated it to me. She said, oh, you know, our mutual colleague had said to me, so I'm making sure I'm getting my name. Yes, please say my name correctly, right? So so I'm glad that you claimed it all. So good. Great. Six, did you you want to ask Joanna anything? We've kind of moved into our catch up and our pop culture topic. Because I know I'm going to probably ask her more stuff as things go, but I, I love that claiming all names that's it yeah yeah claim all names yes yes yes, how basic right i mean and yet so so poignant and (laughs) and so right like that is a top fixing of the episode you know usually we have a fixing at the end but it's like claim all names so as as an early fixing catch-up time so sigs usually you and i get into kind of pop culture stuff and what have you been up to pop culture wise and then joanna i'm gonna ask you too what you've been up to pop culture wise it's been a busy week, so we've my kids' school is closed for oh, two no. weeks. Yeah, COVID cases are happening, so everyone's oh. at home remote learning, which is a challenge. So one thing I was lamenting about in like media was that my, one of my favorite shows on Netflix, Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, got canceled. I heard. Unfortunately, and they were in the fourth year. They're going to wrap it up. Glamour was hosting like a Zoom hangout with them to encourage everyone to vote, and they were so sweet. The whole cast was on this Zoom hangout. I have the link for um, our episode notes, and there was not a dry eye in that cast, like just lamenting. And one of the lead characters, Betty Gilpin, who plays Liberty Bell, was like, you know what, guys? This is like as if we were celebrating. Now it's like our funeral and our husband married a really slutty waitress and she's horrible, (laughs) but let's go out with a bang. And right now there's like a they're trying to have a petition for them to like just give them a movie to wrap up their whole thing. But it was just really poignant. Not a dry in the house. They really loved each other. Unfortunately, the show's got canceled because of COVID and production stuff. But I'll put the link in there. It was just a really great show. Great cast, Mark Marin, Allison Brie, very funny. A lot of even though this show was based in the 80s, it addressed a lot of the current concerns like the Me Too movement, sexism, gender roles. Just a fantastic show. Unfortunately, canceled, but hopefully they'll get like a birth and they'll get a movie or something like that. So to kind of that hopefully wrap I everything watching. up. Oh, I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. What have you been into? What have I been into? I just recently watched this movie called Monsoon, and it stars Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians. It's a story of a V. Vietnamese British expatriate who had come back to Vietnam to figure out where to spread his parents' ashes. So his parents died at two different times, but his mother had recently died that I think he was close to. His brother had his father's ashes, he had his mother's ashes, and went ahead of the entire family just to start scouting out where to actually spread those ashes. Interestingly enough, had never been back to Vietnam, and we kind of find out why, as to the case may be. So he tries to piece back, interestingly enough, his 
parents' immigration story and understand the Vietnam War and the impact that it had on his parents. And then he meets Lee, this American, who also talks about his experience and his father's experience of the Vietnam War and everyone trying to to kind of put things together. So it was a really slice of life, deliberately slow, like burn of a story is the way I would really describe it. And it was really told more in Henry Golding's facial expressions. Mm -hmm. But I just thought, wow, like, you know, so many commonalities to what we've discussed on this podcast of trying to figure out your immigration story. And every time I get to go to the Philippines, I'm constantly asking my parents kind of like what they felt, what did they think? At some point in the future, they're not going to be around to tell me what those stories are. And my nephews and nieces are going to be the ones that are going to be asking me like, what were Lola and Lola's <laughs> ideas when they came to Canada? And why did they think this? And so forth and so on. So that's what I've been up to pop culture wise. So Joanna, we're going to ask you the same question. What was the last pop culture thing that you kind of consumed? What what did you see or, or do or want to tell our listeners? I don't really get to do a lot of pop culture stuff other than Instagram. Yes. Well, I would call uh, that pop culture. So <laughs> what have you been doing on Instagram or what would, you know, what has caught your attention on Instagram? So not a whole lot, <laughs> but no, I, Instagram, but then I also, so in my free time, I, you know, I have a two-year-old, I have a job, I have, yeah. I teach. I don't really have a whole lot of time in a day, but when I can sit down, I watch Gossip Girl reruns. Yeah. I know. It's so trashy. Yeah. No, it's, it's so not. Trashy. No, oh my gosh. no, no, no. Sigs, I Desi, can't even remember the year. I tell her what we did in Oh, New York. my gosh. Okay. So what year was that, Sigs? 2009? Oh, 2009. Okay, so two. Really? So no. Okay, so here's the story. This the story is from 2009. Uh-huh. Sigs and I are both big Gossip Girl fans. Oh, good. Okay. And so <laughs> a friend of ours was at the time doing, I guess, a fellowship at NYU. She was off to the Philippines. Said, "My apartment's free. If you guys want to use it, use it." So then Siggy and I both traveled down to NYC and went on the Gossip Girl tour. We went on the Gossip Girls. <laughs> I yeah. love it. And, repl- have, and replicated. Yeah. Steps at the Met. Yeah, Steps at the Met. And Serena <laughs> at uh, being spotted at um, Penn Station. Penn Central Station. Yeah. Yes, spotted. <laughs> spotted. No, totally. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like my guilty pleasure right now is watching Gossip Girl reruns. I love but it. But I do want to say, even yes. though yeah. I can't say much about it, that I think on Instagram, I saw that there is a Southeast Asian princess for Disney. Is that true? Like some new Disney princess that's Southeast Asian? They are. Six, you know more about this kind of stuff. I, I don't, don't know. Well, are you talking about Raya and the Last Dragon? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that she's Southeast Asian. And I was like, yes. But then I never like looked it up. So apparently there was supposed to be a movie release called Ray and the Last Dragon. Aquafina was in it. And previously attached, it was Cassie Steele, who's Filipino. Mm -hmm. um, To voice the girl. However, she got recast by the girl from Star Wars. Oh, Kelly. Oh, yeah. Kelly Kelly Marie Tran. Tran. Right. So I don't know what happened there because great for Kelly Marie Tran. But I'm like, it's Filipino, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I know I remember feeling like oh Filipino, yes, yes. And then yeah. I saw it again, and it was like I was like, oh, she's Vietnamese. Yeah, and I then like that was Vietnamese. Yeah, but I was like, exactly. well, it's still good. It's a little closer because before it was who's the girl from Hawaii? The oh, oh Moana is Moana. Moana, yes, So at first it was like Moana. Oh yes, Moana. But then like we got closer to the Philippines. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll take Vietnam. That's fine. Okay, one pop culture, and this is for Joanna. So I was looking at your website, and I saw something really great about you. 
Because mm-hmm. if you, listeners, we will give you the website for Tagalog with Kirby that Joanna has and a little bit about her. She quotes the movie Coming to America <laughs> on her website. I'm dying because you know what's supposed to be released in December, Coming to America 2. Right. And yes. I was like, oh, my God, she's probably going to watch it. And I was thinking about watching it like a month ago. I'm like, oh, I should watch Coming to America if the sequel's coming out. And then I saw you, like, quoting, like, directly oh from gosh. the movie. I was dying. I'm like... Oh Let my god, you, Kindred Spirit. I love it. I love it. My favorite game is to get yeah. just like randomly say quotes that I that just pops up from the movie. Yes. And yeah. if I ever ask you like where is that from? The answer is 99.9% of the time from coming, coming, coming from America. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I just yeah. feel like we should pull Joanna then if we ever see her and just we do karaoke and the three of us become the band Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> I I think we have it. I think we got yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. Or we'll have to have you on and do a taste test of like coming to America too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also a little afraid. Yes. The one, the first one's so perfect. Like we just let's just leave it alone. It is a great fish <laughs> out of water story, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that's coming soon in terms of, you said December, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, but everything's being delayed. Everything's being delayed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they'll put it on Netflix or something like that. So speaking of Netflix, that is today's topic, which is favorite Filipino or Filipinex movies on Netflix. So listeners, we had an assignment, or at least Siggy and I gave ourselves a self-imposed assignment that was really actually inspired by Joanna's website, Tagalog with Kirby, and all the, the platform associated with that, where she teaches students Tagalog and through that sometimes has even suggested but with strict directions because you've got strict directions upon on this right in terms of if you're going to watch a Tagalog movie study a section read through that section see it with the subtitles then don't see it with the subtitles and then try to kind of analyze it bit by bit so Siggy and I went through this and we chose two movies and so I chose the movie Born Beautiful which stars Martin Del Rosario he plays a trans woman named Barb's Cardero, who works, ironically enough, at a happy ending funeral home. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So it's just really funny because (laughs) she provides cosmetic services to the deceased people and specializes in diva impersonations for the dead. So like the first 30 minutes is really about, oh, do you want like for your sister, the Lady Gaga look or Whitney Houston, you know, and that all for like 5,000 pesos, which sounds like a steal, but I know like that's from North American terms. I know for people back home, that's really, really expensive and stuff like that, but it was quite a campy drama. However, she was fed up with the drama that was occurring around the funeral home and being being a trans individual and feeling oppressed. So she ends up enrolling in a gay conversion retreat only to return to her life and make important realizations about it. So that's what I chose. Wow. But yeah, I know. It was quite hilarious. It was quite fun. It was fun to watch on a, a Sunday afternoon. But before we kind of get into like what that experience was like, Six, tell our listeners what you had watched on Netflix. I watched a recently released movie by writer-director Isabel Sandoval called Lingua Franca. So Olivia, who's a transgendered woman from the Philippines, she takes care of an elderly Russian patient in Brooklyn's Brighton Beach neighborhood. And she's carved out the space for herself in the borough of the Filipinos diaspora. And like a lot of immigrants living in the United States, she lives in fear in the shadow of ice could darken her door any minute. She's planning to prepare, like pay a man in exchange for a green card marriage. But unfortunately, he backs out of the deal last 
last minute. Olga, the woman she takes care of, she has a grandson named Alex who's fresh from rehab and trying to rebuild his life. And that's where Alex and Olivia meet and they have a relationship. And like in an opposite sense of the movie that Jez chose, it, it was very like very simple, very pared down a serious movie. I, uh, the colors and the grays, there's a lot of like uh, self-reflection and identity. There's a lot of filming with mirrors. And it's just, this movie's about representation. It moved me because it was just very simple. You think, I presented the plot line, okay, so someone backed out of her arranged green card marriage. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to come swoop in like a hero. It's nothing like that. It's a meditation on people living in the current America that's right happening right now and how this is like an idea of a story. It's not swooping. It's very meditative. It's very not, I don't want to say slow. It was very stark and it just ha- it gave a real mood to it. And I watched it twice hmm. um, with it. And obviously it is English based, but what was interesting is that, and we'll talk about the experience. I won't give away too much. A lot of the key points were in Tagalog. It was a very striking movie. I was very taken by it. I'm like, this is a different film. And uh, listeners, you've listened to me when I talk about movies. I watch, you know, James Bond movies, Marvel mm-hmm. movies. To watch this, like, independent film by a Filipinx person, like, a total tale of representation. Not everyone is the same. Like, we said we're not a monolith. And this little vignette of a story was just, it, it's very impactful. You're right, Sigs. We're going to get to the experience. Yeah, sorry. Especially <laughs> around kind of, like, when you were hearing Tagalog. And then, yes. mm-hmm. you know, during these pivotal moments. But I wanted to pivot to Joanna for just a second. Right. Do you have a particular Filipino movie that you'd like to watch off of Netflix? Yes. I don't know if it's in Netflix anymore. It was. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's called Crying Ladies. Crying Ladies. And Crying Ladies. Crying ladies, and it's Sharon Conetta. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know Sharon Conetta well. Well, not I, personally, but, but my Kineta parents show. would yes. watch, yes, yes. both yeah. of us. Have, we all have parents yes. that would love Sharon Conetta, right? Yes. So, yes. so it's comedy, basically, but it's about Chinese culture hiring people to cry at funerals. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so they believe that the louder the cries and the more people who cry, the higher the chances are of the person's spirit getting into heaven. Right. So they're higher criers. And so she's a crying lady. She's one of the crying ladies. Yes. And she just got out of jail. She has a kid and she kind of loses Uh custody of the kid and she's trying to get the kid back. And I can't remember what the love story part is because, you know, it has to have a love story. Of course. (laughs) It usually does, right? (laughs) Yeah. For some right now, I'm blanking out. But it's a really, really good movie. And it's so funny. And it's also very sad at the same time. A dramedy, I think they call it. Our one friend, Victor, who lives in Hong Kong, that sometimes we get to visit, he would always tell us about the crying ladies and how, oh, yeah, you can hire those women over there to actually cry at your funeral and stuff like that. And they really believe in that. Chinese culture very much believes in that. I think in terms of these movies, at least, we wanted to talk a little bit about the experience, especially the experience of listening to Tagalog through these Netflix movies or these movies that Netflix is hosting. Sigs, let's start off with you. What was the experience like when, for those moments in Lingua Franca, when they would start to speak Tagalog? What was that like? It was fantastic. I didn't need subtitles. Those pivotal points in the plot where Olivia realizes, oh no, this green card marriage I'm going to do is not going to work. All in Tagalog, I didn't need any subtitles. I knew exactly exactly the context and the way that they expressed it. It was easy for me to follow. And it was funny. There's such pivotal points because one of the plot lines, and they were talking about this, is the names in their passports are their dead names. 
right. not their current names. Right, right, and right. that was all in Tagalog. And Olivia was lamenting about growing up in grade school. Remember the happy times where we'd have popsicles and enjoy it? And there were clearly her and her best friend Trixie are in a church talking in Tagalog. And like even they had points of Olivia's mom calling for money for remittance. But like from my experience, and I, I'm a passive learner with Tagalog, I knew exactly what they were talking about. And then when I checked your notes, Jesse, I watched again. I put the subtitles on, but I'm like, no, I know exactly what they're talking about. Those instances and those situations they're talking about, clearly it, it was very clear. And I don't know. Olivia mentions that she does speak Tagalog, but she also is from Cebu, so she speaks Cebuano. And when she talked to her mother, I was like, oh, it sounds like Tagalog, but a little bit different. So I'm thinking that was the dialect. They applied that dialect in her conversations with her mom. But I mean, I understood the story or whatever. Those plot points were pretty big plot points for context. A lot of viewers, this is an English movie, they would be probably like, oh, I, I don't know catch it but I didn't need it it was it really drove the plot for me I'm like oh I know exactly what they're saying so it was sort of interesting that I'm like oh I have this in my back pocket like yes this is a Philippinex movie but it's in a for an audience of anybody so we'll talk a little bit more about this in the second half of our podcast but I know that Siggy you call yourself a passive learner and I think sometimes it's like oh I must not understand everything but this is just like proof that you know you might not give yourself enough credit for like Mm -hmm. uh, understanding Tagalog you're more than just a a passive learner. I don't know if there's a better word for that. Joanna, you might know a better word for that. But I certainly think that this is just kind of like evidence to say, it sounds like you understood the entire gist of it, not just parts of it in some, in some ways. Joanna, do you think it's probably because my parents would mura and mura me and I got in trouble <laughs> in Tagalog when I was growing up that I probably understood it? It could be. I don't know how bad you were. You must have been <laughs> no, He I, was I'm bad, sure. I'm sure. Right? You're a trickster, Sigs. I know that about you, right? So I can tell you when I was watching Born Beautiful that the way that I'm used to understanding Tagalog spoken in Canada is really quite different because, right. you know, it just reminds me that when I come back home to the Philippines, I feel like I stepped off the plane and into a musical because everyone is singing Tagalog. And so mm-hmm. there was a very kind of sing song, <laughs> you know, ano ba? Like, you know, right? So it was just, it was just like, oh my God, I'm listening to a musical again. Just highlights for me how much my parents don't actually sing Tagalog anymore. And that, I mean, they speak Tagalog, but they don't have that sing-songy way of being. And in fact, the entire Filipino community around here has lost that idea of singing Tagalog in a lot of ways. And so, you know, when I would speak Tagalog back home, they would say, just men, bakit ka galet? Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just Canadian. What I said there this <laughs> is, is that people back home in the Philippines would say to me, why are you angry? And it's, and it's probably because I sound angry if I try speaking Tagalog. And so, yeah. yeah. The other thing that I also noticed too was, and language is always constantly changing and shifting. And it was so fascinating how much abbreviations were being used. They were saying things like LQ and TS. And I'm like, (laughs) what is an LQ? Do you know what an LQ is, Sigs? No, I have no clue. Do do you know what an LQ is, Joanna? No. It stands for lover's quarrel. I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was like... Because yeah, my aunt just used that. And did I was she? like, LQ? 
Ano yeah. LQ, right? And I so, yeah. so I called up my mom, mom, ano LQ, right? And she says, LQ. And he says, oh, lover squirrel. Anak, yeah. Anak. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, oh, my goodness. Ano TS, you know, telesteria. There's been a lot of acronyms and stuff like that. So just interesting different speech patterns. Of course, I can understand the Tagalog, but it's like, oh, like that's not how... I've come to learn understanding yep. Tagalog in a lot of ways. And it, it reminds me that the next time I get to go to the Philippines post-pandemic, I'm going to have to like get myself back into that and see a bunch of Filipino movies to get used to hearing again and not feel so shocked that I'm walking into a musical of sorts. Listeners, you should see Joanna. She's just nodding her head. You you look like you have a lot of stuff to say. In terms I do, of the, I yes, do. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell, tell us. us what you're thinking. So what Sigs was saying about the passive learning, yeah. it made me think like your experience of following it and getting the gist of it and understanding it, understanding mm-hmm. the movie being able to follow. It yeah. made me think of a one of my students back then. I, you know, she took my classes for a while. And mm-hmm. later on, I get a text from her. And she wrote me this long paragraph. And uh-huh. she was boohoo crying. Mm. She's like, oh. she was like, I'm in a dressing room right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm over here, like, in tears. Because when I was changing, she said that she heard two women talking. Right. Mm-hmm. And... She was like, I understood every single word they said. And she was like, in my whole entire life, she was like, I've never, ever, ever had that experience. She's like, I'm constantly having holes. She's like, I'm constantly just trying to figure out like, oh, I guess this is what they said. She's like, I have never understood it just in plain, you know, Tagalog. That's amazing. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Of course, I I get all the stories. I've taught so many people. Like I get, I've heard every single different levels of Tagalog or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I just never even realized it was, it was, there was such a, a gap or a hole and that it was so emotional, you know, that it could be emotional for someone. So, yeah, so that made me think of that. It's like, oh, okay, that's cool, you know. It, it just made me think of her, and I just love that story. That I love that story, too, because I think it just shows you how much language can sometimes feel like a mm-hmm. key to something, mm-hmm. you know, or, mm-hmm. some, you know, as you had described, a hole that's been missing, and then suddenly she's yeah. found it. and then just Or how exhausting it is it, that it's been, that yeah. you're constantly, oh, yeah. like, just trying to piece things together. Like, that must be so exhausting to just try to get through one sentence right. and... You're always feeling like this, like, I hope that was right, or, you know. Right, right. So, yeah, that must be such a relief to just... Understand it completely. And you understand it, yeah. Yeah. And not not have to think anymore and interpret, interpret, interpret in in a lot of ways. And second guess. And second guess, yeah. Because when you're guessing, you're never really sure. And you don't feel like you have a solid foundation. Like, that's part of your insecurity, right? Right, So you're constantly insecure. You know, I think, I think, you know, to just feel like, yes, that's what they said. You, you gave her it. a really beautiful gift of confidence, like as far as I'm concerned, at least in terms of the, the teaching and the learning mm-hmm. that you guys mm-hmm. have provided and stuff. So, yeah, I think learning language, as we kind of transition into our culture capital topic, we've been thinking about it as kind of like, what's your language story? My language story is that I, I grew up with my parents talking Tagalog. And so the minute I'd walk home, they talked Tagalog to me. But they really mm-hmm. insisted that I speak English. I feel like, oh, what's that movie? Oh, my goodness. Excuse me for sorry. Sorry to bother you. 
What is that movie? Yeah, about? sorry to bother you. The one with um, like Keith Stanfield with the voice. Yes, with the voice and stuff like that. Yeah, he like can put I, on a non-denominational voice. Yes, if I put on my register voice, I can sound the most perfect North American person out there, right? Uh-huh. And I think that that's what my parents wanted. And I think it was in all in an effort, in an attempt to make sure that I spoke really perfect English. And yet at the same time, you know, really lacked the confidence sometimes when I would speak Tagalog or I'd be very tentative about it, or I would only be fits and spurts or just really say things really simply. So when I'm at the Filipino takeout bar, I know, I know ito, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like that would be the extent of my Tagalog. But yeah, it was really insistence on speaking really great English. And Sigs, I think you had like a, a very similar story too. Uh, pretty much. I was born in Canada and my parents spoke Tagalog to me when I was growing up, but my parents were very much like they took much pride that I was born in Canada and I would be English and even like my Lolo I was being four years old and I was on the phone with him and he's like oh my apo he's American and my, my mom's yeah. like we're in Canada so North American <laughs> but um, it doesn't matter there, English, was, it's there was such it's pride in um, us being like speaking English my mom you know if we were at the malls or whatever and she would talk in a low voice Tagalog so we could converse and it's not like they would expect me to speak back or, or talk Tagalog back but they were very proud about me speaking English and uh, you know doing really well and excelling on that which is very interesting just an interesting insight as our thing progresses I'll give you a little bit more a couple more anecdotes but uh, it was very much uh, we have a child that's born, you know, we give them a better life and we immigrate to this country. He's been able to speak English and the bonus of even French here in Canada. That was right. my parents' initial thoughts wow. from my perspective. Yes. Right. You know, it's interesting when I asked my parents later on in life, like why they didn't really insist on me speaking Tagalog at home. There was this idea that there was learning two languages at once could be confusing. Decades later, we know that that's not true. Right. There's sometimes that there's a moment where there is some language confusion, but but kids are so resilient that period right. ends. And then people speaking multiple languages, it's just been shown to have more flexible thinking, flexible worldviews and stuff like that. I'm sure, Joanna, in your teaching and teaching of Tagalog here in North America and around the world, because from what I understand, you've been doing some of this virtually too, you must find similar people with our background in terms of wanting to learn Tagalog, either not having the confidence. So I'm just wondering if you can tell mm-hmm. us more about that or the commonalities that you see. So I get it all. I get people who never understood, never tried to learn, never doesn't know anything, like zero And I get people who understand completely, but can't put a sentence together, you know? And it's like, how is that? Like, I understand everything, but I'm like, like, I can't say anything back. Yes. So there's that. And I have people who can't speak, but then like, I can hear, (laughs) oh, you know, you're missing some things, you know? Right. I get a lot of like, aha moments from people, like the ones who can understand and can kind of speak or can't say anything back. It's like, oh, that's what they're saying. And I, I feel like people like that, learn Tagalog by listening. Right. They've never taken lessons. They don't know. And so they're kind of guessing, like, I think that's the Mm -hmm. word. And so you just kind of mimic, you know, what's being said. And so you think all your life, it's kind of like when you hear a song and you learned it, right? And you thought they were saying one thing and then you like see it right there. You're like, what was I talking about? Yeah, what was that? (laughs) So it's kind of like that. Like I get a lot of Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's always funny. You know, when I was watching Born Beautiful, some swear words come up and I was like, oh, 
that's actually a swear word. I didn't realize that. And I said to my parents, oh my God, dad, you kept saying bocha a lot. Yeah. Like, that was actually right. a bad word. <laughs> like, I didn't know. So, That's funny. Yeah, yeah. No, like, and this just happened last week. And I was like, dad, you swore a lot. You were a trucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Do you have a particular philosophy in terms of teaching Tagalog to non-Tagalog speaking people or people that want to improve their fluency? A philosophy? Yeah. Gee, I probably do because I, I feel very strongly about how I teach it yeah. and how to learn it. Right. But I've never been asked yeah. to articulate it. So I don't know. I feel like 50% of it is all confidence, yes. right? Because a lot of times, I don't think it's really hard to learn, Oh. but I think it's your self-confidence uh-huh. that keeps you from opening your mouth and saying anything. Right, right. You know, I, and I always tell my students, we can do these lessons all day long, but if you, if you don't feel comfortable saying it or if you don't hear yourself talking or, you know, you, communication is actually being able to deliver it, not just knowing how. Right, to, right. You know, so, yeah. Right. I know that, you know, later on in life, you know, I would speak Tagalog or try speaking Tagalog, you know, a little bit more. And I would <laughs> I would get laughs invariably from, you know, my titas and titos and my my parents. And they'd correct said this way or that way. Or mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it would be said in ways where it's like, oh, I just feel really bad. And that would really kind of, if you will, diminish my confidence. Mm-hmm. And then it would be like, oh, I can't be bothered to speak Tagalog. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just it's easier to speak English yeah. and stuff like that. Right. I wonder if that kind of comes up for your students as well. Yeah. So I, I post about this a lot, like the laughing at yeah. people yep. who, mm-hmm. who try to speak. Right. And that really takes yeah. the wind out of the excitement. Like it just takes everything out because you're already like as a somebody who's trying to learn. And this happened to me too because I had to learn English. Right. So it's like you're trying and you're putting yourself out there and you're excited right. And then you get somebody to laugh at you and you take it very personally because yes. it's such a personal thing for you. Yes. Where, and I always try to tell my students this and I, tell, I try to post about right. it and explain how as a culture, Filipinos laugh. We laugh at everything. We laugh pain <laughs> away. We laugh embarrassment away. Yes. We laugh harder if it's really funny. Yeah. Our reflex yeah. response is to laugh. And so they're not laughing at you. The mm-hmm. laughter is them thinking, oh, th- that's appreciation. It's like an appreciation laugh. Right. You know, right. that's not how we as a Western culture right. get a lot of that. Oh, I got laughed at or, yeah. you know, whatever. But now the whole like correcting, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody, oh, that's not how we say it. I tell my students that's a part yeah. of, that's a part of learning the language. Because if you think about, think of yourself as a, a baby, because yes. when you're born in the U.S., you had to learn English too, right, right. but you learned as a baby. And how many times do we hear kids say, mm-hmm. oh, me, me hungry. And then you're like, oh, I'm hungry. Like, right. you know, you're correct. So it's that same type of correction. I'm hungry. So it's not meant to be taken personally. And so I always tell my students, you know, you're a baby right now. Or like, oh, wow, you made it to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is how we do our levels. You're right. reading first grade level. <laughs> so like you're a child. You have to not be so hard on yourself. Right. Because if you think about kids, they understand before they can speak. That's your process. You can take all these lessons. You're mm-hmm. going to understand everything I say before you 
are going to sound like me. It's going to be a while, right. but you're going to understand me. Right. So, Joanna, that's just a really good point. It's funny. When I had told people I had taken French lessons and someone said, you know what? It's good that you're taking French lessons. I'm like, why is that? They go, you don't get embarrassed. I go, what do you mean? They go, you're okay to make mistakes. There's nothing wrong with that. And you're welcome to that. So I like that you really did highlight that. You know what? It's part and parcel and it's just good learning. And like, I think the analogy yeah. of like, you know, as a little kid, you yeah. learn it's, it's sort of the same thing. I, I, I like that. That's a, that is a good thought in part. <laughs> yeah. Earlier when you guys were talking, it made me think of my niece. Cause you know, in the Philippines, we at least are trilingual. You learn your English in school, right. you learn mm-hmm. Tagalog in school, and then you have your local dialect. Dialect. Right. right. So I guess people in Manila, maybe you're just bilingual. But like other parts, like non-Tagalog areas, right. you have right. your local. So I have a niece at the time, she must have been like five or something. And she said one full sentence and had three languages in it. She had English, Tagalog, (laughs) and Kapampangan. And it's cute. It's funny. They say that when you speak more than one language, it's not a confusion that you're going through. It's that all the languages are trying to come out at the same time. Right. And so that's when you have moments where you're like, instead of saying tip, you say teep. Like, you know, like weird things Ah, come out because they're all trying to come out at the same time. And so with little kids, it's whatever word they think of first. They have no... They don't have any like really clear idea of what language is. All they know is communicate, right? right so right. Mm-hmm. whatever word they know, that's what they're going to say, I think. When I mean, you're speaking a- one language over the other, it is a different mindset. It's a different way of mm-hmm. thinking. Like oh, I yeah. do know, like I have to almost kind of gear shift in, yeah. a, in a very particular way if I really want to get myself to speak Tagalog yeah. and not overly rely on English, let's say. And it is a different way of thinking. And I would think that younger children that are trilingual, bilingual, that are polyglots, all the languages are all coming out because Mm -hmm. all aspects of themselves are coming out. As opposed to if you're just speaking English, it's like, it's this way that I'm seeing the world, right? If I'm speaking Tagalog, I'm speaking this way. I agree. Yeah. 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 I always tell, it's like acting. It's like you have your Filipino person persona and you do Uh that because language, when you're talking, it's not just words. It's your mannerisms. It's your, you know, your body language and like all of that. You have to, it's, I speak Japanese. I shouldn't really stop saying I speak Japanese, but I majored in Japanese, (laughs) right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, no way. So when I, yeah. So when I switch to Japanese, I'm a completely different person. I start bowing. Right. The way I do, my facial expression changes because that's my Japanese me. Right. So in that way, you are acting. Right. I agree. Right, right, right. It's a whole shift. This section of our podcast, this culture capital topic of kind of language, speaking Tagalog, feeling comfortable and confident, we framed it as language loss in some ways, or not having full fluency, if you will. And something that our editor of our podcast, MB, has said, Mary Beth has said, is is, is that for her, she doesn't speak any Tagalog. She doesn't understand any Tagalog. And when she gets the question of like, you know, why don't you speak any Tagalog? Something that she says back is is that indicative of her parents' immigration story. And again, we had kind of talked about it earlier, and I had seen you kind of agree along with us on this, is that there was a pressure to assimilate as opposed to acculturate. And it just made me think about, too, kind of it's also a story of sacrifice. My parents willing to kind of sacrifice not full fluency for their children to speak Tagalog in an effort to make sure that there would be seamless integration into English. And it also makes me think about kind of like a story of forgetting the past and what was kind of left behind 
back in the Philippines when our parents have immigrated, when you immigrated. I'm curious to know like what you think language loss reflects in terms of all of the teaching that you've done and the students that you've learned. Mm-hmm. Like what have they lost and then found? Kind of like that one story, the student that texted you and said that and was tearful. It was like something was left behind and now she's found it. I wonder what you think. Um, so here's an interesting thing. I don't know if it's a language loss. It's a new term for me. I don't really know what to do with language loss, right? Right. right. With that Mm -hmm. phrase. I will say culturally, I feel like, so it's two things. You have the language and you have the culture as two separate things. Right. Okay. I feel like the people who left the country and moved here, like me, when I go back, I feel like I sound old. I feel like I'm, it's like old Tagalog. I still roll my R's very hard, Mm. you know, uh, trabajo. I still Mm. use like the Spanish words. And I go there now and it's like, oh, magwork ako. Or they can say their R's now. They're like, um, trabajo. Like it's a very different way of talking and I feel foreign. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they would say magmal kame, yeah, know, or something like, like that. It that it's like, like oh. these things that I like. What are you? What do you? Why do you sound like that? And and when I <laughs> open my mouth, I probably sound like that. I came out of a time machine or something from like the seventies. You're like, you sound weird. Why are you rolling your R so hard? You know, and I feel like we hold on to the culture that we left because yes. it's because mm-hmm. we left it. So we're more into by babayan by buy-in or you know like filipino history when you go to the philippines they don't know anything about that like they don't know anything about how we they don't know anything it's like they don't know filipino history or something they don't know there's not as much pride in being filipino they're all trying to be western you know right. whereas the, the people who left are like holding on to it like we'll bust out with like a filipiniana or something like and we're proud right, <laughs> right, right, there right. it's like why are you wearing why that? are you wearing that so, yeah 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 so there's like this cultural gap that's very interesting where the filipinos in the philippines have moved on or something like the language has evolved and mm-hmm. we're trying to hold on to what we know you know yeah so i don't know what are you losing are you losing the new version I guess, because you're not moving with the language. Right, right. And you're preserving Filipino as you know it. So there's that part. There's a cultural part to right. it. And then you have your language where, yeah, you lose, I guess, you lose, like you said, you lose your uh, gege. We call it gege, where you're like, mm-hmm. you know, like that yes. whole sing-songy part. Yeah, that's right. You, that. um, you lose the people who are born here. You know, of course, you lose the language altogether. So there's that loss. Right. And then maybe for the people who immigrated, there's a loss of growth or evolution of right. the language. You know, I don't know if that answers your question. That totally but... answers the question. And I think what I'm also kind of hearing too is, is that maybe even a better term is like language sacrifice. What did mm. we sacrifice language for in, in exchange for, for what? For what? And the, re- yeah. the reality is, 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 I think, and I think that this is kind of what the conclusion is or what we're coming to a conclusion is, 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 is that the sacrifice is really a false narrative. If we yeah. decide to kind of walk in with confidence as you had described and then just be patient with ourselves in terms of relearning or learning the language we can kind of overcome these kind of past narratives that our families parents and past generations have have been sold if you will through colonialism i just want to kind of respond to one thing before we kind of move to the fixing of the week which is is, is mm-hmm. that like linguists and anthropologists have talked about how 
American English is very much a legacy of 17th and 16th century English. In other words, they believe that the English spoken in and around the eastern United States very much mimics what the English was being spoken about in the 1700s. Like, that's the loose theory on it. Uh -huh. Wow. Uh, and that the English that we hear today is two to 250 years development since then. If we want to get an idea of what English sounded like, then just listen to people from New York and, <laughs> you know. In terms of accents? Yeah, in terms of accents. Isn't that interesting, right? Like, yeah, yeah that there have been some disputes around that too, but, and there's an article that I'll put in the show notes around that. But when you talk about kind of like when you leave the Philippines, the language is frozen in time. It's almost mm -hmm. like in an amber stone of sorts, you know, <laughs> that it, it gets caught there. And it's true because like my parents would come back from the Philippines and say, oh, do you know how they say this now? Right. And I'm like, I don't know. Tell me. Right. It's like they just say yeah. LQ. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. So there's this thing that I, I that really struck me when I went back one of the times when I realized that, wow, we are shifting from Spanish to English, like this is really happening. Cause yeah. I was there when English became the national language. Like wow. we were told all of us, it was like one day we spelled Filipino with a PH. And then the next day I started flunking all of my spelling exams. It's like, what now it's F, you know, I remember that. I remember that being frustrated as a student, yeah. like, Oh, I forget it's F now it's F, you know, yes, like, yes. Gotta change it. so yeah, I remember one of the times I can maybe it was Oh six or something back then they were saying one thou two thou three thou and i was like what is that do you know what that is you know what that is no, no what it, like, it's money it's yes, money it is, it is. that's oh, right it's yes. one thousand right yeah. and i was like well, are we not saying libo anymore like what's going on like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. and that's when i realized that there's this change that happened oh while i was god, gone you're so right i remember yeah. being at bdo this january right because we were in the philippines this january my, my mom was counting it and then the teller was going one thousand two thousand three thousand my mom was going Isad, yeah. Libo, right? And stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just like, oh. What is going on? Yeah, what is going on? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, because well, I was like, one thou, one five. Because I'm like, how much is one five? And I'm like, what is one five? Like, what one. is one five? Right, right. <laughs> and, it's, and it was like this whole language that I didn't understand. I had huh. to like relearn Tagalog when I was there because now it's Taglish now it's versus Taglish, Taglish. Yeah. Tagalog Taglish. and Spanish. Yeah. yeah. So it's like mugwa work. And I'm like, what are you, mugwa. why are you saying work? Like it's like, what mugwa work? What is that? Like, yeah. Like I couldn't, it was like, I was going through a culture shock. Like I couldn't believe. Yeah. When did we start saying mugwa work? Like, it's like, we didn't think about this back in the eighties. Like we just, what's going on? You know, right. like we've known work, but it was never part. It wasn't yet webbed in. Tagalog, yeah. English. Well, and anthropologists, linguists would tell us that languages are constantly changing and evolving and borrowing mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And so that's actually healthy. Is it? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I feel so sad hey, about just it. talk to the French, right? Just talk to the French. Yeah. They'll tell you all about their language institutes, right, Sig? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I guess this is a feeling I've had to I constantly deal with, especially when I go back. It's like, I get always sad and it's like, I get worried, like, oh, what's going to happen oh. to the Galog? Now we're going to end up talking English. You know, it's going to be English because we're so excited yes, yes, to be yes. Western, you know? But I'm yeah. like, well, but the Tagalog I'm holding on to is really not Tagalog either. It's Spanish, right? Right, right. So right. it's like, what am I, I'm, I'm afraid to lose Spanish to English. <laughs> like, it's all not mine, right? Right. So right. like, I always have to check myself when it's like that. It's like, Tagalog will be fine. Like, if it's not English, it'll be something else. But right. 
the conjugations are always Tagalog. It's always going to be like the plate, the food might change. The plate is Tagalog right. all the time. Yes. So, you uh, still hear you the know. reduplication of things, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. insertion. You still yep. hear how the verb yeah. comes first and all, yeah. all of that stuff, yeah. or you think that way at least. And yeah. Stuff. So it's yeah. like, it's going to be work, but we're still going to, we're going to, we'll work. <laughs> we're still gonna we're working we'll work, right we'll work yeah. come in, right so like we'll work come in we're always yeah. gonna we'll work yes so oh my goodness. that makes me feel good oh my goodness well joanna it has been a real pleasure having you on the podcast sigs we're gonna have to have her again on right? i would really like for you to come back will you come back joanna i would absolutely if oh, you guys fantastic. wait till 9 30 we're happy to wait till anytime, 9 30 anytime. Okay, you know, yeah. but, but joanna i would really like you to give the opportunity please share with your listeners like your socials um, your website we will put it in the notes but tell yeah, them tell her, how tell can you reach you where they can how, find how you. can they get lessons from you it's go ahead so www.tagalogwithkirby.com my name is joanna but it's tagalog with kirby k-i-r-b-y which is my last name and it's so funny because i always get emails like hi kirby and i'm like i'll take it it's, yes it's yeah so it's tagalogwithkirby.com everything is tagalog with kirby instagram facebook I don't know, so I'm probably on Twitter somewhere. We'll but, put it out yeah. and we'll tweet it. Siggy will tweet it out yeah. to all our listeners and stuff like yeah. that. Again, so glad that you came on our podcast and reached out to us. I think just to kind of end off our podcast, our fixing of the week, we've been talking at least in this last five, 10 minutes about kind of language loss or language sacrifice that I think to myself that our fixing really needs to be getting over this idea of sacrifice and really about mm-hmm. kind of walking into confidence and to try. Yeah. And that at the end of the day like if we don't try how are we going to kind of take this on and fill that hole that one student had told you about you know yeah and so so yeah so that I'm still grappling with the word sacrifice I like it a lot and that is what our parents had to do it's a sacrifice mm-hmm. but it's also an evolution of our people right so yeah. it's our story of resilience and adapting and living. Oh my gosh. It really is. Just really quickly, Michael and I were watching the home cook off, which is like Mm -hmm. a base of the British bake off. And (laughs) anyways, they have this one Filipina, if you will, contestant, and she's living in Scotland and she's totally adapt. Like she moved there in 2010 and has the Scottish accent. (laughs) And it was just like, that is our people. Like we will just assimilate and take whatever it is. Like she has the whole Scottish accent. Let me tell you something. I have a cousin, so I'm down South. I have a cousin here who's Filipina. Mm -hmm. And of course she has the Filipino accent when she speaks English. You can tell she's Filipino, but then it also has a Southern twang to it. (laughs) And it's like, you've never heard a Filipino woman speak English with a Southern accent. It's like, oh Oh my God. That (laughs) that just blows your mind away. It's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, maybe it's not language loss or language sacrifice. It's really about language dynamics. Mm -hmm. Language is constantly changing and moving. We just got to try it out. So listeners, if you are wanting to speak Tagalog, check Joanna's website out, but also try it with anyone that does understand Tagalog and just smile and say whatever you can. That's the only way that you're going to get into it all. Yes. So that takes us to the end. And Sigs, take us out. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear from you. What is your favorite Netflix movie? We want to hear from you guys. Email us at holopopculture at gmail.com. 
you can also hear from us. Keep on downloading. Over almost 11,000 downloads. Guys, thank you so 11, much. <laughs> yeah, we're near 11,000. So we're, it's, it's awesome. So if you do, download, subscribe, rate us, leave a review. We really appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle's at HelloHelloPop. And we're on Instagram at HelloHelloPopCulture. Give us a follow. We'll follow you back. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chel Turingen. We'll see all of you guys again soon. See you soon, guys. And Joanna, thank you for being on the yes, show with thank us you. today. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are so much fun. Maraming salamat po. Maraming salamat. Maraming salamat din. Mabuhay. 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 <laughs>